So I'm going to begin this morning with a bit of a confession. And it was at our, our church in California, there um, was a, a relationship that I had that, that at the beginning, I'll admit to you, um, it was probably not the best. It was a, a guy in our church, I'll call him um, I'll call him Joe for this morning, but a guy in our church that, uh, to, to summarize, he just, he was tough for me to connect with. Early on in our time there, I had trouble understanding, honestly, what he was saying. So there was some communication gaps there. He was a different age group than I was in. He was a man who also, as a pastor at that church, we had this thing called pastor on call. And I was one of 20 pastors. And, um, but I had a day of the week that it was my, my privilege, and I mean that sincerely, my privilege to take phone calls when people just wanted prayer. And um, Joe was one of the guys who almost always, almost every time that I was the pastor on call, he would call. And, and, and it was hard to understand, frankly, what he was saying. Um, he, he would talk about dates, and I really couldn't hear it. And, and, and just the way his, his language was, um, it was hard. And, and I'm confessing, I'm not proud of this, but a couple of um, days after one of these calls, I was at a staff meeting with other pastors from our church team, and just, just one of the guys, we were on the side, and, and, I, and I made fun of him. Like, I mocked his, his, the way he spoke to my friend, who was another pastor, and I, I have had this happen in my life, and this was one of those times where I just really felt the word, like God's voice, literally saying, Sean, that is not who you are. And the, the conviction that I felt as I'm mocking this man led me to, in the next few days, just pursue him. Hey, I'm going to schedule a time. We're going to go spend some time together, and maybe I can get to know him. And so I went to his apartment, picked him up, and we went out to lunch. And um, what would happen over my time together with Joe would lead to one of the more meaningful relationships that I've had in my time serving in Southern California. He's became a, a wonderful friend. And what, what I would find out over time is part of the struggle that he had with communication was the result of heavy addiction that he'd had in his life. And he could articulate not just to the day, how many days that he had been in recovery, not how many years or days, but to like the minute. It's like been, you know, 16 years, 14 days, 12 hours and 37 seconds that I am in recovery. And it was incredible to hear his story of receiving Christ and how God changed his life in an incredible way. I find out that we had shared things that we appreciated. And he was a man who knew everything about every car that we drove by. He could tell you it's year, make, and model, and had a precision and understanding of those things. And they're just things that over time, as I interacted with him, that I recognized that my relationship with him began with me being prejudiced. And I use that word carefully. I prejudged the ability for me to have a meaningful relationship with him. And over time, what I found out by investing and in nurturing this potential relationship is that it led to one of the, when I'm back in California or when I, uh, when we've traveled, we, we are always quick to find him, to connect with him because, um, because he's become someone who's become a friend. And one of those times, I love this, this moment, one of the times that he called uh, to ask for prayer when I was pastor on call after all of this, and it was years that we connected together, uh, that, that one of the times I'm talking to, to him on the phone, and I dropped some coins that were on my desk, and he, and he, he said, hey, Sean, wh why did you drop a quarter? 
I said, what? Yeah, he said, he said, why'd you drop a coin? He said, drop another coin. And then I dropped a nickel. He's like, why did you drop a nickel? And uh, what I found out was that um, as he had both some unique weaknesses that were tangible, um, he also had an amazing sense of hearing. And, and he could tell a coin that was, you know, was accurate almost every time. It was incredible. So here, here was a man who in, in the process of initially building a relationship with him. I had prejudged and said, there's no chance that that could be a meaningful relationship. But over time, what I'd experienced was one that was meaningful. And this morning, we're gonna talk about relationships. We're gonna talk about making room for something new. And I think that relationships are important. In fact, Jesus, in, in his time with his disciples, he said this statement to them. He said this, this is my commandment so that's not optional. That's not suggestion. Uh, but he said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. I want you to stop for a second. And I want you to think about how God has loved you in your life. If you're a Christ follower, you understood that he has, it has required him to love you through grace, through his kindness, through his loving kindness. And I, I want you to, to reflect on the fact that he pursued you, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Wait a minute. God, God's going to call us his friends? Jesus uses this word that we know of Philadelphia. It's a Greek word. It's a wonderful word. And it actually emphasizes not just the power of the potential of a relationship, but prioritizing the intimacy of a relationship. I want you to think back in your life of relationships that have been significant to you. And I want you to remember maybe the, I'm not talking about like people who, like siblings, family members necessarily, but people who over time became the most significant relationships of your life. Can you remember the first time that you met that person? Can you remember when you saw them for the first time or you interacted with them for the first time? And can you remember that at that moment, you had no idea what that relationship was going to prove in your life, right? It, it, it ended up being something really significant. And today, what I'm going to challenge you, and if you stick with me this morning, it's partially because you prioritize that relationship in your life, that you gave it space you prioritized it in such a way, as he says, Philadelphia, love, that you gave it space, that it, it turned into something in your life that was very valuable. But I'm guessing from its, its inception, you may not have seen its potential. That's the way it was with my friend Joe, that, that I saw the reasons why not to have a relationship with him. And I needed to understand what it meant for me to give it time to build the kind of relationship that it had to be the potential relationship that God had for us. I think it's essential for us when we see this passage in John 15 that, that the Lord expects us to open up our lives to others. That when we do that, we show him that we obey him, that people should be our priority. And today, if you stick with me in the time that we have together, I'm going to emphasize in multiple ways the fact that you and I need to make room for new relationships in our life. 
We're going to see in a passage of scripture a, an application that's going to come from it that the Apostle Paul who valued relationships at the highest level is going to talk about the potential of a new relationship for the church in Corinth. And he wanted to help give them guardrails to help them to be successful in these new relationships. It's going to be powerful, I think. And I think what we're going to see as Christ expects us to be people who love others or prize others like he prizes them, that there's a potential for us to have some of the massive blessings of being in real, intimate, burden-bearing relationship with one another. Do, do any of you recognize these three doors and um, Monty Hall, the next, the next slide? I, thought, I love this. You guys recognize this? So this is um, from the original Let's Make a Deal, and some of you are judging me. I saw this on Nick at Night, okay? So, uh, so the original Let's Make a Deal, and, and some of you may not be familiar with it. Uh, I'm not sure if the Wayne Brady one, if they do this or not, but uh, historically, they would um, have three doors, and often there would be a car behind one of these doors. And so Monty would, would stand up and he would say, all right, you need to pick a gate, a door. So you say, all right, I, I'm feeling good about door number one. And so, so then he, instead of opening door number one to see if you have that beautiful car um, that you've longed for, instead what he'd do is he would open up door number three and there would inevitably be one of these behind it, a, a goat, right? And so, so you see, see the goat and I, I think they let the goat like on a little bit of a chain that was, was like, so you kind of wander around and you, you needed to mentally get the image of that being in your kitchen, right? And so you, you just picture like, okay, I want the Corvette in my garage, but I don't want the goat in my living room, right? And, and so, so then he'd ask you, all right, are you sure that you want door number one? And church, this morning, I love the picture of the car. It's beautiful. I'll show it to you. You know, this is the one of the many. You know, some of you are like, I'll take that right now. That's for sure. But, but, but I want you to catch something. This is what I believe is happening in many of our life, lives right now. Is that I believe that for many of us, because of the fact that we've been hurt in past relationships, because uh, there's been things that have been discouraging for us because of, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons for it. I think that for some of us, when we're presented the opportunity for something new, that we actually just stop picking, that, that we, we give up, that we get so discouraged in the process of finding the wrong thing or being hurt again by relationships that we close ourselves off from the potential that God has for us for something significant and meaningful and powerful. I think a few, I, I read a lot in this area. I think it's so significant. And I think there's a bit of an, uh, uh, we're anemic when it comes to relationships. I'm not saying this about you. I'm saying this about a lot of us today, that we struggle with developing real relationships. And I'll, and I'll be the first to say that, that we can get better at this. We can grow in this area I think God's given us what we need in order to love the way that he desires for us to. But, but I think for some of us, when we think about new relationships, these thoughts come to mind. I think the first one for many of us is that it feels dangerous. And, and I think you could describe it as being calloused in our heart. That through past pain, through past hurts, what can happen is that we can find ourselves being calloused and discouraged about allowing someone new into our lives. I think we could also say that there's been, through the last several years of the pandemic, there's been a bit of an aspect of interacting with someone else can 
can feel risky. Like literally, like am I gonna spend time with you because you might give me something that can make me sick and so I keep you at a distance. I think we keep ourselves at arm's length and if there were a sign outside of us that, that could declare what's going on inside of us, it would be like the hotel sign that says no vacancies, right? That, that there's no space for me. Someone has described, or for others, there's, someone has described it like the Lego blocks um, that, that it's possible for us, you know, the tops of a Lego, you know, that, that it's possible for us. Some of us, we've grown up in the same town. We're surrounded by the same people. We've, we've got our spots filled in our life and there's no room for anyone else. I, I want to challenge you this morning that God desires for us to be people who make space for new relationships in our life. That as he has waited to return and allowed us to live in this, this life that's, that's broken, we're surrounded by people who um, are people just like us that have struggles and experiences in their past, that, that his desire for us is to be people who, instead of having the no vacancy sign on us, that we would be able to say vacancy. I'm, I'm open for new relationships in my life. I think that's really significant. And I think for some of us, though, when I use the story of my friend Joe, that we we think about the differences of people in our life. We think about the age gap or the, you know, with my friend Joe, when I went to pick him up at his apartment, which was in a neighborhood that wasn't the neighborhood that I grew up in, I mean, that I lived in in California, that we, we would, ha- I would, every time I did, I'd have to walk by at least one drug deal that was going on outside of his apartment. It was complicated. It was difficult. It, was, it felt dangerous. I was uncomfortable when I did that. But I will tell you that it was totally worth it. And so for some of us, we look at relationships and we say that this person is not our generation. They're not my type. I, I think for some of us, we see someone else and we say, they're a Macy's type and I'm a, or a, I'm a, a Dollar General kind of person. Or they're, a, they're a, a Walmart person and I'm a Target person. You guys know what I mean, right? That we, we size them up as being people who fit us. You guys are confessing right now. That's awesome. Um, you know, we, we look at what, what are not the similarities. And I, and I think the Lord is really good at helping us break down those things. So, so we'll distill this down today to say that, um, that, that God desires for us to be in relationship. And I believe that we can get better at relationships. The first point this morning, and if you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 as we continue on in our prodigal church series. Um, real relationships are a worthwhile investment. Uh, We'll see this in the text this morning that it talks about it as in choosing to invest your time in relationships. And I think Paul understood that relationships take time. And I think that we're gonna see this in the way he describes his time. Last week, we ended on these verses and I wanna pick back up. I wanna read some of these again because I want you to see the way that Paul thought about relationships as a Christ follower. Verse five, it says this. It says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey. So so here he is a person who has needs. He needs a place to sleep. He needs a place to eat. 
Um, but, but he sees this as an opportunity to be something more than just mundane. And, and I'm going to argue or challenge you this morning that I think that it's in the mundane that relationships have their foundation. It's, it's in the kind of thing that's just really normal, sharing meals together, interacting together, talking together, uh, engaging in a way that's meaningful and intentional. So here he says, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey. Whenever, wherever I go, for I do not want to see you now. Sounds a little harsh, but he's got a point. Just in passing, I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for the wide door, a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. I think that the mundane can become the foundation of amazing relationships. And here, the Apostle Paul is saying, I don't want to just have a sample of, the, of our relationship. I want to give space and time in order for our relationship to grow together. That, that Paul had been there before. Now he's saying, I want to come back and have more time with you. I think that it's essential to understand that the Lord Jesus understood the power of the mundane. When he selected his disciples, there was a group of men that for several years, they just shared life together. They laughed together. They teased each other. They inter interacted in ways, arguing over who's the greatest. They, they experienced ministry together. They worked hard together. And in that process, they deepened their intimacy with one another and experienced the kind of relationship that many of us long for. It was often in the small, mundane moments of life that they experience the kind of intimacy that God desires of us. And I think the mundane truly can be the foundation of amazing relationships. For my friend Joe and I, it was, it was, it was that space that we chiseled out in the schedule to be able to sit together and to talk that helped us to have more than the relationship that was possible in the minutes in between services at church. It required something more than that. I also think that amazing relationships require us to choose to prioritize relationships. And so, um, so you think about today and you think about the ways that we communicate that there is no vacancy in our life. I, I have the best AirPods that you can buy. I can tell you're impressed, right? Um, I, I have AirPods that have a noise-canceling thing to them. And so, so I can be in places where I can turn that on and it literally... It really literally shuts out everything around me. That's a good way to hang a no vacancy sign, right? You, you think of the times when you're interacting potentially or not interacting and you just see the glow of technology on someone's face and it's just a way to say no vacancy, right? Uh, and so, so when we wrestle with that, I think one of the things that Jesus modeled for us with his disciples is that he did not select a group of people that were all the same age, all the same experiences. He chose to select a group of individuals that were going to be a part of what God was doing, not just because of their similarities, but because of their distinction. There, there's tons of potential there. In fact, it was interesting for me to consider these normal individuals that turned into some of the most significant leaders in the early church that there was an age range with these guys. Uh, what we know about how long they lived and 
the, the common trends with teachers is that they all would have been younger than Jesus, more than likely. And um, at least one of them was married. We know that about Peter, but we don't know about the rest. We assume most of them were single. And so you've got married and single men. You've got individuals who came from many different uh, geographical places, Bethsaida, Galilee, Cana, uh, Jerusalem, maybe Judah. So they come from different communities and places and cultural backgrounds in some ways. Um, they had different experiences. Like I said, married single, they're tradesmen, fishermen, business owners, tax collector, a, a zealot, a political revolution. There, there was a people who came from different experiences. And the age range, which is so interesting to me, would have been between 13 and 30. So, so here are these men who've gathered together. Um, some of them are just learning what it means to, to be a man. They're growing up together. They're doing life together. And in that process, the Lord teaches them what it means to be a follower of Christ. I think if, if we're transparent this morning, one of the things that hinders our ability to experience new relationship is that we have the ability to prejudge the potential of relationships. We we look at a person and we say, they are not like me, and therefore I can't imagine that they would be the kind of person that I would want to have a burden-bearing relationship with. I think that that can be a lie. I think if you look back on those meaningful relationships in your life, often you didn't think that that was going to be a meaningful relationship when you first met that person. But over time, it led to something that was meaningful and significant. I'll, I'll be clear that I believe that relationships are expensive. I think they're difficult. They cost something. But I believe that it's absolutely worth it. Do you agree with me on that? That they're, they're, wor they're worth it. The investment, the way that Paul puts it in this language, he, he's talking about it, spending some time. I think that's a, a, an intriguing way to think of your time and see your time as being precious and valuable. He's saying spend it so that he can spend time being in relationship with people that were precious and valuable to him. So real relationships can be expensive, but they're absolutely worth it. You know, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 16 mentions by name almost 30 people. So in his ministry, he was a person who valued people. He cared about people. It was intent, he was intentional about knowing their names and, and caring for them in specific, tangible ways. One chapter, 30 names. I think for some of us, if I asked you to list out 30 people who you consider your friends, uh, you, you'd say that might be tough, right? Um, now, now, we recognize, though, this morning that there are some six and a half billion people in the world right, that we live in, six and a half billion people. Uh, we recognize you're not going to be friends with all of them. Um, I don't care how many Facebook friends that you have. Um, but uh, I, mean, I mean, I do care, but, uh, uh, but you understand that that's, it's hard to have relationship when you don't have shared time together, uh, when you don't get to experience the mundane realities of life. And so God's given us a circle of relationships that he gives us the privilege of choosing to engage with those are, who are around us. And so here's where it gets interesting in the passage that in this this letter that he's written to the church in Corinth, remember a church that's filled with Christians where Paul had served previously, that he's going to say to them uh, that he is going to be sending a young leader to serve them. 
And, and that leader's name is Timothy. And here, Paul is going to try to make it possible for them to build a new relationship with Timothy. It says this in verse 10. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. It's a very interesting uh, phrase. Aphobos is the word we get our word phobia from. He, he should have no fear in connecting with you. Paul, we know from the book of Acts, had already sent Timothy along with a man named Erastus and some other leaders from Ephesus, and, and they're gonna enter into that community and try to be an encouragement to them. You know, you know, when I think about my own life and about spending time and investing time, I'll admit to you that that, uh, that recognition of how much of a commitment that takes has been hard for me at times in my life. In fact, I'll make fun of myself on this, that at one of the churches that I served at, I was responsible for small groups in an area of ministry. And um, I had set up small groups, trained the leaders in small groups, had launched many small groups in this community. Um, but, but from the time it took from us to go from our house to our small group, my poor wife had to put up with me grumbling about having to go to small group. Isn't that messed up, right? So, so I'm complaining because I'm wondering, is this worth the time? Uh, do I, I'm not sure if I always like all of the people that are a part of my small group or, or is this something that's really, what's going to happen? And, and Allie has learned, and we laugh about this, that in the initial stages of that, often they come at a higher cost for us. But over time, there's a moment when uh, often in those kinds of settings, when it makes the turn to where you start to realize you love these people that they're meaningful, the relationships carry with them something that's irreplaceable in your life. And I've seen that in my own life. So, so initially, yes, it comes at a cost and it's expensive, but it's absolutely worth it when you get to experience the benefit and blessing of experiencing real meaningful relationships. So here we have Timothy, the young leader who's sent from his hometown, sent from Ephesus, and now he's going to go into Corinth, which he's not heard great things about necessarily, but he's choosing to open himself up for relationships in this new community. I wonder for, for each of you, when it comes to considering new relationships, do you, do you anticipate new relationships with contempt, which is the term that is described here, or with expectation, anticipation? I think that's an important concept for us to, to wrestle with. And I think it's important for us to admit that new relationships deserve a chance. Um, we need to walk through the open door of new relationship and to uh, open some doors ourselves. So verse, verse 11 goes on to say this. It says, so let no one despise him, help him on his way in peace that he may return to me, for I'm expecting him with the brothers. Now, um, this term, despise him. Uh, now, you, you guys remember road trips, some of you, before there was like a full entertainment package in the minivan. Do you guys remember a few of you? Um, it, road trips in the old days were, especially with three brothers, uh, like I grew up with, um, we definitely had the dad that was like, don't make me come back there. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And, um, and, and back then, we had this Subaru legacy, like station wagon, and we were all packed together. And, and one, of the, one of the favorite 
methods of trying to uh, separate yourselves was to was the like invisible line, you know, because seat belts were kind of optional, and so it's like this is the line, don't cross it, and then somebody would do you know, this, you know, just cross the line. You guys know, know what I'm talking about. And then um, there would be the escalation of, of all the different conflicts. But one of my favorites, but actually truly one of the most effective was when somebody was, when you actually just ignored them, right? So, so you're in this, this conflict and what you choose to do is to outright ignore it. And I think that, that what we know is that that was probably the most effective way to stop conflict in the car because it hurts so much, right? And, and literally in this text, when we look at this concept, when he says, so let no one despise him, there's a very interesting Greek word that says to treat with contempt, to treat without proper recognition, to, to misunderstand the value, to treat with contempt. And so here, this is what happens in relationship when there's a potential one, is that we can invest in it, cherish it, care for it, give it the, the love that God has desired for us to have, or we can choose to neglect it. I, I love, it's fun to have Mary Stokes here. Um, and uh, she's one of our beloved saints here in our church family. And um, I, I don't know if she remembers this or not, but uh, on the first week that we were here at Hope Church, um, Mary pulled my mom aside at our, like our installation. My mom and dad were here and she pulled my mom aside and she said to her, hey, when it comes to Sean, I've got his back. Isn't that great? I love that. So, um, so, and nobody wants to mess with Mary, right, Mary? Is that right? So nobody wants to mess with you. Bob knows. So, but, um, but she is the sweetest, kindest person. But what she understood was something that was really important. The Apostle Paul understood. He knew I was new, coming into new relationships. And it's complicated when you have new people come into your life. And what she was saying there and what she's done over the last several years has been to be generous and kind and to say, let's give him space. Let's give him the opportunity to be who God's called him to be. And I think that that's what Paul is warning us to do or what he was warning them to do with Timothy was don't despise him. Give him the chance to be successful. Help him on his way in shalom peace that he may return to me for I am expecting him with his brothers. So here, the Apostle Paul valued this young man that he was sending to serve, the team that was going to meet the needs of this church, um, that, that he understood. He wanted to help him to be successful. But, but there were people who are there that Paul was smart enough to know that they would despise Timothy. They would have that kind of prejudice that would look at Timothy for what he wasn't. So Timothy happened to be the wrong age. Um, what we, we know about Tim, um, in 1 Corinthians is that we've already seen a description of at least three really important leaders that had invested in the church in Corinth. One of them was the Apostle Peter, um, who we know had an incredible history with the Lord Jesus Christ and was a phenomenal leader. Um, this man, Apollos, who was known for being an incredible speaker and an orator. You would have loved to hear his sermons. He was powerful and insightful and meaningful. And people loved the messages that Apollos gave. And then the Apostle Paul, who was the founding father of the church in, um, in that time period in history in Corinth. And so they are saying, we want you guys. We don't want this guy. 
And, and, and so they despised, they were prejudiced about him being the wrong age. He's from the wrong town. He's from Ephesus. He probably had the wrong temperament um, when it comes to being timid or maybe a little bit more introverted and they didn't feel like that was what they deserved or expected. And, and yet Paul advises the church in Corinth to give him a chance, to give him the space that he deserves. And you know the reason why Paul did that is that he understood the potential that Timothy had to be an encouragement. He understood that there was an opportunity for them to experience God's blessing through the hands of this new leader. You know, Paul had already written earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 and 17. Listen to his description, his, his um, reference for Timothy. He says, but I urge you then, be imitators of me. This is why I send you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ. So, so he says this in a way. He says, this has the potential of being something great for you. But, but for some of you, you may miss out on the potential that God has for you. And I think one of the things that's helpful, and I, I, I mentioned Mary, one of the things that she chose to do for me that is also very helpful in every relationship is that she chose to see me through a different set of eyes. Not just how can I serve her or what, what does it mean for me to care for their family well, but instead, um, she understood that I have a family, that I am a part of another, that there's, there's another story to me. And even with this wonderful young man, Timothy, I want you to hear what, what was said about him. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. That, that Timothy was a man, he wasn't perfect, but he was a man who came into that setting with the potential of being something meaningful and helpful and encouraging. This morning, I want to challenge us that I think we need to get better at opening up our lives to new people, to new relationships, to, to say that we're going to be generous with our time and our resources to allow there to be space for something new. In fact, one of the things that we're in the process of doing is working to hire a new worship pastor. And one of the things that I recognize in that process of looking to hire a new worship pastor is that, is that we love those who've served in that role. We love the Garbers. We love their family. And there's a part for us of looking at someone new. And I think we will always have, have a different perspective on that role because it was filled with, by somebody who we loved and cherished so much, right? But, but God has something new for us and I believe that he has exactly what we need to continue to, to build on the foundation of what Jim and Linda did in their ministry here. And so, so we look at it and we're going to be quick to say they aren't what we've had before. And I want to say this to you, and that's okay. And so part of my journey, even becoming a part of this family, is that you generously opened up your arms to allow Allie and I and my daughters to be a part of this family. And for us, I think that we need to get better at that. Not, not because I'm scolding you, but I think we need to be willing to say that we are going to open up our hearts and lives to something new. I think God's good at that. He, he reminds us of this. And I think we're predisposed to be skeptical of new relationships 
And I think Paul knew those tendencies of the church in Corinth, and it's partially why we called them a prodigal church, because they ran from the blessing that God potentially had for them, and they missed out on maybe the fullness of what he had for them. So um, the second point this morning is our relationship with the Lord should impact our relationship with one another. I think that that's really important. Our relationship with the Lord ought to be the foundation of us, the motivation for us to open our hearts to new people. I want to clarify that I believe relationships change, and I think that that's okay. The Apostle Paul at one point was a part of that community. The Lord called him to go serve in Ephesus. They had to deal with that challenge. In fact, there's a letter that we don't have access to, but that we believe was a letter where the church in Corinth said, hey, Paul, we miss you. Come back. And if you can't come back, please send us Apollos because we really like Apollos. So, so can you send, can, can, you send, can you come? We miss you. We want you to be a part of this. And, and instead, what ends up happening is that Paul feels so convicted about his ministry and the door that the Lord had opened for him in Ephesus that he's not going to be able to come right away. And so God's still at work. Relationships can change. And I believe that that's okay. I think that it's important when we see the Apostle Paul say, if the Lord permits, that we recognize that relationships are time-bound. They're time-sensitive. They're, they're not based on the 6.5 billion people that are in the world, but they're based on the people that God's placed in our sphere of influence and the potential relationships so that way they have. And some of that is who's in this room right now? Who's, who's a part of our community that we've chosen to gather together with? Who is in Medina County and in the community that surrounds us, our neighbors and those that are close to us? God has given us a sphere of influence, but relationships, they do have limits. They change. They evolve over time. We look back on our story and and we had wonderful relationships that built in our ministry in Texas. And then wonderful relationships that were established in our time in the Bahamas. They were beautiful. We had wonderful relationships with people in California. Believe it or not, there's some wonderful people in California. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, I, I think about what God blessed us in that time. And, and, and so now in Ohio, the Lord has new relationships for us that we're so grateful for. And we're thankful for, and we recognize that it doesn't mean we neglect the previous relationships, but we constantly say, Lord, what do you have for us now? God is sovereign in providing opportunities to us. We have to be people who see the potential in those opportunities and take them seriously. I love the story of Emmett Smith that he um, was at an award banquet where he was going to be honored. And um, there was a young man who was in the elevator wearing an Emmett Smith jersey. Uh, and he totally didn't recognize that he was in the elevator with Emmett Smith, you know. Uh, and, I, and I think um, for us, like that story, that concept is one where I think we expect something um, that maybe requires us to be willing to see people differently than what we anticipate. So we have to also, and this is really essential, I believe, not um, to allow past relationships to get in the way of potential new ones. Past relationships should not overshadow the potential of new and meaningful relationships. I think that it's important to note in Corinth that they could have just held on to Apollos or Paul or even Peter, hoping for them to return. And if they did that, they would have missed out 
on the potential and place and opportunity that came with having Timothy join them. So it says this in verse 12. I find this to be really fascinating. It says, now concerning our brother Apollos. Um, again, I, I believe that this is recorded as a response to a request that they had to send to Paul to send Apollos. It says, now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He wasn't going to do it. And so he will come when he has the opportunity. I think sometimes past positive relationships can serve as something that we want to long for and protect and, and care for, and yet in that process miss out on the potential of the new and meaningful relationship that is on the horizon for us. Now, I'll give a quick qualifier, and uh, as we talk about this, we're not talking about marriage relationship. There are relationships that we have that are family um, that we, we are a part of, we're committed to for a lifetime, and it's God's design for that. I think it's important for us to understand that these are referring to the kinds of relationships that we have in settings like this, that, that are like my friend Joe, that, that are things that have the potential of being more if they're allowed to grow in the midst of the mundane opportunities. So here, what we see from Paul is he's breaking the news to them that he, Apollos is not going to be the person or fill the role that they expected him to. So they, they may have been dis, disappointed, discouraged. We don't know the why behind it. I don't think that there was conflict between Paul and Apollos at this time. He calls him his brother. I think he's just bluntly saying, Apollos isn't coming. So if they wait for Apollos to return or for Paul to return, they're going to miss out on the opportunity that's in front of them. So here, uh, I'll speak for just a second. It might feel like a rabbit trail a little bit, but, but I read this with Apollos and, and I can't help but think with Apollos that as he says, uh, I'll get there someday. We'll, we'll make that happen someday. Um, good intentions often lead to, to zero action, right? You can almost hear the cats in the cradle song playing in the background, right? We'll get together then, you know, we'll have a good time then. You want me to sing it for you? I will. Uh, but uh, the, you, you know what I mean there. Like, I think it's essential for us when we talk about that vacancy sign in our lives that, that we're people who are intentional about not waiting for the someday. So when it says he will come when he has the opportunity, uh, a real challenge for each of us today is to be a person who makes that opportunity. I think waiting for someday ignores the potential of today. I think we need to try. I think we need to recognize that, that there's going to be times when we're rejected or it's not going to be uh, received in the spirit that it was intended. I think with Timothy, he experienced a difficult time when he was in Corinth. I think there were some that missed out on the opportunity of connecting with this amazing young man. Um, why? Because of calloused hearts and been hurt by others. The, their Lego blocks may have been filled. They may have been afraid of what is a commitment. I think this is common in our culture that we're concerned about reciprocity. Uh, we don't want to be in debt with someone else. We don't want to owe them something that we don't feel like we can replay, repay. I think for others, we, we undervalue others just as being objects of God's love and the potential for us to love like Christ loves them. So they wanted Apollos to come back and they missed out, I believe, on the blessing of having God's man that he'd sent, Timothy. 
I think for some of us as well, we're, we, we look at our life and we say these relationships, they should not be this difficult. I think for some of us, we say, hey, I've tried and I've been rejected or missed out. And I think that that callous description that I said earlier is common for us. Um, but I'll, I'll just remind you, it's not worth justifying not trying. It's not worth justifying giving up on future relationships because you've been hurt in the past if you've been too dependent on past relationships, they can ultimately lead to harming the very relationships that you value the most. I think that's what happened in Corinth. I think they missed out on the opportunity that they had with this young leader that was coming because of the fact that they wanted something that they would never receive in the same way. So I want to challenge you. Um, there were two Greek words that were really interesting to me in the study of this passage. The first one is the word to despise or to consider dead on arrival. To, 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 to choose to say that I'm not going to invest. My doors are closed. The, there's no vacancy here. Um, you guys have heard the phrase that the opposite of love is not hate, but it is indifference. Have you heard that before? I think that that's a, a powerful description of what Paul was warning them not to do with Timothy. We've also heard the word phileo, the word for friendship, based on priorities. And I think when you unpack that word, it's saying you choose to prioritize. I've said it comes at a cost. I, I believe that it comes at a, with an intentional investment of time. Paul even said that. But I believe that it's essential for us to be people who make room for new relationships in our life. And I'll, I'll just close with this, that, that my experience with my friend Joe was one that I did not see the potential of initially. But when I look back on the story of my life, it was one of the best decisions I ever made to choose to say, I'm going to prioritize this relationship, to see what this foundation of our lives, sharing the same church was going to lead to in our friendship. And I'm so thankful for the fact that we could cut across so many boundaries that led to something that was meaningful and fruitful. That was in my past. That's a part of the challenge of my life right now is to keep myself open to what God has for us today. And I want to ask you to join me as we turn our hearts to prayer to, to ask that the Lord would continue to open your heart for new relationships. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to, to sit at the your truth of your word and to be reminded of simple yet profound truths that you are a God that loved us first, that you've asked us to love others like you loved us. I pray, Father God, that you would teach us how to do that. I pray that you would soften our hearts to the new people that you draw to Hope Church, the new people that you bring into our life. I love the story of the family this morning that introduced me to their neighbor. Would that be our story over and over and over again? Why? Not because we're a perfect church, but because we're a, a church that believes that we are better together because people are precious to you. We love you. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.